With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to stay for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're going to go into a little bit in-depth into the freshman class and also some of the incoming transfers. Get going to talk about their role for the 2021 season, what we expect from them, what sort of impact they might have um, either on the field or getting ready for the next season. Obviously, some guys are going to be different situations than others, but we're going to go through each of those. Um, and just talk about what role we expect them to take on, what we expect to see from them in this first season for them on the Wisconsin campus. So it should be a fun conversation. A lot of these names we're really excited to see. If you followed their recruitment over the last few years, you've heard a lot about them, but now they're, of course, on campus um, and getting into jerseys. We've seen a lot of these this freshman class tweeting out their jersey numbers and pictures, so uh, it's nice to see the, the route that some of these guys have come on, and it'll be nice to talk about them to see what their role might be for the 2021 season. So it should be a fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, over the weekend, getting that Bucks win. I know you're a Bucks fan, so that was that definitely was the pinnacle of the weekend and, and exciting stuff. It's crazy to think that they're a, a game away here from possibly a, an NBA title. But other than that, I'm doing great, man, on this Monday. How are you? Yeah, that was a phenomenal game Saturday night. I mean, really... From a from just a spectator's aspect, just the watching that game was was phenomenal. Both teams making shots, but I'm so glad the Bucks were able to pull that out. I know Bucks teams over the last few years that would have been a game that they they normally would maybe lose and not be able to hang on to, but this team just seems different. So let's hope that they can continue that um, on Tuesday night and and bring that NBA title home. I'm hoping that they can just close it out and we don't have to go into that nerve wracking 
Game 7 uh, portion that we're going to. But uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that. That was a fun part of the weekend. Uh, we watched that out at a bar, so the atmosphere was was very nice, and uh, I'm hoping that they can close it out as well. But in court, after the Bucks game, we've got some recruiting. We don't have a ton of news, but we do have one little thing to touch on before we get into our main portion of the episode, um, and that was a, a visit from a pretty highly rated prospect that kind of went under the radar in Sebastian Sheik. So if you want to give us an update on uh, what was going on there and uh, what you see from him, because I know if Wisconsin, in terms of that class of 2022, he's a guy that if they could still land him, they would certainly uh, make a spot for him because he's a very talented linebacker out of the state of Illinois. Yeah, I think he's a no-doubt guy that they're going to take his commitment, whether it's today, whether it's um, you know signing day. So you, you look at it, Wisconsin has been very, very picky with their, with their offers, um, specifically at linebacker. I mean, they, they really have not given out many offers at, at that position whatsoever in the 2022 class because they, they brought in a, a really robust group last year same thing two years ago. So they, they don't really, they can be kind of picky, I guess you could say. Um, and, and Sebastian Cheeks brings versatility, 6'3", 210, uh, you know, maybe a bit closer to 220, but he can play inside or outside, and he's really dynamic. He's the type of kid that I think would fit really well with Wisconsin's 3-4 defense. Um, but he's got a top five of Michigan, North Carolina, Oregon, Texas, and Wisconsin. So if you look across that list, I mean, th- those are some pretty heavy hitters. Uh, he he was at one point thought to be like kind of a Notre Dame wing, but then Notre Dame was kind of filled out at some of those other positions, and he really didn't go to Notre Dame on, on an official. Wisconsin kind of swooped in there because you didn't hear a lot about him um, for a while, but but I think that Wisconsin might be making a push or have a better chance here just because of that, that hometown angle. Um, you know, he's from Evanston. So if you're looking at distance, if distance becomes an issue for him in any, for any way, shape, or form, Wisconsin's by far the closest, right? Like if, if distance is an issue, you're not going to Oregon, North Carolina, or Texas. Those are, those are actually across the country in three different directions. Um, Michigan's the next closest and, and also would probably love to have him there. Um, Michigan from Evanston, you're looking at like four and a half hour drive to Madison, about two and a half hour drive. So you're cutting about two hour difference here um, for him. I, I, I don't know. I don't have any inside knowledge of if the Badgers are the team to beat or anything like that. I, I know a lot of people um, crystal ball wise were, were kind of pointing towards Texas and North Carolina for a while there. But he's a really talented player that I think the Badgers could would love to get, and he he would he would clearly be somebody that is just hey he's one of our top available guys, and we don't need linebackers, but the Badgers would obviously take him. Oh yeah, most most definitely, he's a very talented player. I think, like you said uh, earlier, he fits really well with his length and athleticism to be a guy that I think could thrive in that three four defense under Jim Leonard as being that edge rusher that you need. So I think in terms of fit, it would be a great fit. Um, in, in terms of the other schools he's up against, uh, like you said, Wisconsin's nice and close. I think they benefit from that for sure when you're talking about you know, Michigan is, is this a Big Ten team that's in there as well. I, I think in terms of recruitment, Wisconsin, Texas, Oregon, North Carolina, Michigan, they're all pretty even in terms of, of the teams that they've been putting together, the programs that they've got. So I could see Wisconsin being put in a scenario where they can certainly go up against any of these teams and come away with a win. So I think you've got to like your chances right now. 
Um, but you also have to maybe hit pause and hold your breath and say this is still, you know, it's good that Wisconsin's still in the fight and in the running, but it's going to be something that they are going to be competitive and, and compete with some some strong teams. So wherever he ends up, I think he's going to be a great player, and I hope it's Wisconsin, but I would not be surprised if it's anyone else, and that's what makes that recruitment and those, those battles for these top players a lot of fun to pay attention to. No doubt. Do you want to jump into some of these uh, battles that the Badgers already won and kids that are already on campus? Let's do it. Let's hop into some uh, talk about this 2021 class. Some of these guys, you know, when we talk so much about the 2022 group, some of these guys almost seem a little bit old, but (laughs) it's nice that we're going to see the beginning of their careers. So why don't we start with the transfers? Because we'll talk about those guys, of course, not in the same situation as some of these, um, you know, freshman guys, but still first year on campus. So we'll touch on them briefly. Of course, the first transfer that announced their commitment was defensive lineman Isaac Townsend, who was a a really strong uh, player that went to Oregon, didn't really pan out for him there, um, and then ended up at Wisconsin on the defensive line, which is looking for some players to give them some depth. So what do you expect from him? Because you didn't see a ton from him at Oregon, but still seems like a quality player that was a Power 5 recruit um, at a really strong school that, that turns out a lot of talented players on the defensive line. So what do you expect from Isaac Townsend in his first year on campus? I mean, you look at kind of where Wisconsin is depth chart-wise with a lot of these guys, like trying to figure out what their role would be. Um, most transfers, you're coming from a situation where you weren't seeing the playing time that you wanted to and looking to, you know, greener pastures, hoping to get on the field a little bit more. And Wisconsin has has a bit of a much more wide-open depth chart, I should say, um, with, with Rand as well as Loudermilk on. Um, I still think Matt Henningsen's going to be one of your for-sure starters. I, I still think Isaiah Mullins is going to get the first crack at being the other starter at the defensive end spot um, when they go three down linemen. Um, but I do think that Townsend's going to have an opportunity if, if he is up to the weight. You remember he, we had him on here talking. If he, if he got up to that weight that he was hoping to, somewhere in that like 265, 270 range, I think given what he can do um, as a pass rusher, he could have a shot to get on the field a little bit. Um, I think Rodas Johnson is another guy to watch that will probably help round out that depth chart. But I do think that um, Townsend will have a chance to see the field this season. He's he's a big body, 6'6", you know, that 260 range. Um, so I, I think that he's a kid that made this decision, is going to have an opportunity to come in and, and play right away. Uh, with the new transfer rules. And so I think that he's a kid that, depending upon how that uh, transition goes, he could see the field right away. But but I think it all depends on some of um, the younger guys behind. Did they take nice steps? Um, like a like a Rodas Johnson, like a Gio Piaz, or even, even a guy like James Thompson Jr., who looks like he's back to full health after uh, that knee injury last year. So I think there's, there's bodies in there, but I do think that Townsend – has a little bit of um, a little bit different skill set that he brings to the table, and he does have some um, experience uh, above some of the other guys, other than Rodas Johnson, because they came in at about the same class. Yeah, I, I'm, he's a guy that I, I think when you look at the upcoming fall practices, it's, he's going to be a guy that you really want to you know follow up on and pay attention to because he could really blossom into something that, that the Badgers could use. There's a reason they brought him in and, and they felt like he was a fit that could you know come on and, and really play right away. Um, so I'm interested to see where he ends up and, and how many reps he gets you know early on in the season, how it works out in terms of practice that way because he's clearly got the talent there. He's got size. It's just a matter of didn't really work out at Oregon. Could it 
um, work out better at Wisconsin? I, I certainly think so, and Wisconsin's looking for that depth, so a rotation guy on the defensive line is not a bad thing to get. So I think he'll be a solid pickup and a name to certainly watch as fall practice gets a little bit closer. All right, our next transfer is a guy that I think we both expect to see a lot of reps for Wisconsin at the tailback position, a guy that really we've talked about a lot this offseason uh, that they really needed to pick up. Uh, another running back we knew they were in on Ches Malusi, and of course he ended up at Wisconsin. So pair him with Jalen Berger. I think he's a guy that uh, could really give the Badgers the, the added depth that they need at the running back position. Uh, I think they could be a really lethal one-two punch. Um, when you look at Ches Malusi, wasn't a guy that it's not like a, again we've talked about this a little bit before. At Clemson, he wasn't a guy that uh, just didn't play, didn't work out. He was in there a little bit, and he worked around. Again, it's just a powerhouse talent of Clemson. So I think it's a great pickup. I think you'll see plenty of reps with Jalen Berger to to give them a spell. And he has a big layer of depth that this running back room needed. Um, with, with the other guys talented in the running back room, but we haven't seen a lot from either of them and, and the other guys you know working in there quite yet. Yeah, I, I, I think Malusi is going to walk in and – probably touched the ball um, at least 100 times this year. Um, you look at back in um, 2019, Nikia Watson ran the ball 74 times, Derek Groshek 42 times, um, Bradrick Shaw 18 times, right? Like So you just compile that together, and that's well over 100 touches that he could be getting as the second running back, and that's assuming that he's the second running back and that's not taking into consideration that in 2019, and I'm using 2019 because that's a full season, right? Like, so like we can actually look at it from the a complete view of a season instead of last year, which was a hodgepodge. Um, but Jonathan Taylor had 320 carries, and I think they're going to pass the ball a little bit more than what the Badgers did in 2019 this year. But it, let's say that, um, that it's 280 carries. I don't see Jalen Berger touching it 280 times. Um, mm. I could see him in the you know 250 range, but that's still more carries that could go to a kid like Malusi. So I do think it's going to be more of what we saw when when you had a guy like James White that that could kind of be that change of pace guy, and and you had two guys that you can throw in there and know okay, like I just remember when people would look and be like, why the hell are they taking Melvin Gordon off the field? And then all of a sudden, James White made a huge play. That's what I could see from these two. I don't know if it's going to be that dynamic, right? I'm not going to say that they're going to be two of the better running backs in the NFL for multiple years. But I do think that they're going to have a dynamic where the two of them can get on the field. And and really, you're not going to see a precipitous drop-off between Malusi and Berger, um, you know, the Chez Berger. So I think that um, that's going to be a good group. And I do think that Malusi is going to see the field this year, um, whether that's a, as the primary back, which I just I don't necessarily see that, but definitely as the second running back. Yeah, I think those two will be a really good one-two punch, and you can lean on either one depending on who's got the hot hand. It gives the running back room that added that added player that I think they desperately needed um, as they move into this new era of the Chesburger. I love that nickname. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some freshmen now. You know, we'll start towards the bottom according to the 247 rankings um some of these guys might be you know we might not spend a ton of time on them just because you know this upcoming season is probably going to be a developmental year for some of these guys but we'll start with the other uh, guy joining the running back room and Antoine Roberts uh, out of Henderson Hendersonville Tennessee if I could talk I think him as a recruit you know when I watch some of his tape uh, I, I think he's maybe a 
a diamond in the rough. I know a lot of people didn't expect, you know, not as highly recruited as some other guys in the class, but something about his tape really jumped out to me. So I think with some development, he could be a really strong player. So this year, probably a guy that just, you know, gets ready, learns the offense, and gets ready as, as this season wears on. Um, but certainly a talented player. I'm excited to see what his future holds. Yeah, he's definitely a talented player. Um, I, I think that when you look at this running back room, um, it, they, they brought in so many running backs, right? Like you, they brought in multiple running backs in this freshman group, and then, well, four to be technical here, um, and they brought in a transfer. So I think when you look at that, the odds are against him kind of making that those inroads right away. But he is a very hard runner, and I could see um, his style fitting in nicely with Wisconsin. So I don't think it's out of the question that he could see the field, get some touches, maybe play in a couple games in, in mop-up duty, just get some experience. But I don't see him having a, a huge impact in 2021. But I do see him having opportunities down the line. Um, I, I could see him – kind of having a, a Nakia Watson type of role with the Badgers down the line as, as maybe not the guy, but, but a, definitely a change of pace guy who can, who can bring some pop, but he, but he also have, um, can, um, can make a guys, some guys miss and, and can hit the hole in a one-cut guy. Yeah, I think he's going to be a really strong player in that regard in the future, but uh, we'll be, maybe we'll see some from him early on in his career. The next guy we'll touch on is wide receiver Skylar Bell out of Watertown, Connecticut. Um, again, I think underrated type of player. You look at the, the wide receiver room right now, got some strong um, upperclassmen and, and some middle guys there that you're hoping that develops, so maybe you don't see a ton from him, but he certainly got talent there. What do you make of Skylar Bell and his prospects for this season? I think he's another guy where you look at what's going to be in front of him, and there's a lot of wide receivers. And a lot of younger guys saw opportunities last season because of COVID. So I think because you have everybody coming back, his game actually really reminds me of Kendrick Pryor. He's a little bit bigger than Pryor, but at the same time, he he's he can scoot similar to Pryor. So I think that um, while he's probably ready to to – possibly see the field I just think there's so many guys in front of him that I just I have a hard time seeing him see the field beyond like the, the four games um, I, I do think that he could get in there and get some reps in in the early season um, but I, do, I just don't see that you're going to see his name quite as much as we, like we saw Devin Chandler um, last year or or even or not even close to somebody like Tim Ray DK. All right, before we move on to Ricardo Hallman, why don't we round out their other guys that were came into the running back position since we've kind of already touched on that a little bit. Um, Loyal Crawford, uh, another running back, a little bit higher ranking in terms of, of 247 um, than Roberts, but in a, in a little bit different of a game than what he brings. Probably a similar situation there, but what do you make of Loyal Crawford? Yeah, I'm, I think he's going to be a, a redshirt kid. Um, he just needs to add weight. He's He's... He's got good pop, good good quickness, but at the same time, I just think that um, he's probably a kid that could use a red shirt. I know that there was there's even like a possibility of him playing defense down the line, uh, depending upon development and whatnot. But but I think that yeah, just him and Roberts, I think are definitely uh, going to be red shirt guys. I would think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's it's a situation where you got to 
see him develop, see what he comes out with after this you know redshirt year, and then see where he's at in terms of his future. But another exciting prospect. The other guy that they brought in as an athlete running back is, of course, Jackson Aker out of Verona. Really big, strong kid. Uh, still some interesting aspects of his career there. Uh, what do you make of him, and, and where do you see him maybe panning out this year? Yeah, I'm fascinated to see where Jackson Acker starts Mm -hmm. just because of what he brings. I still think that he is a kid that it would make a whole bunch of sense if he was a fullback. It it just would, given what they normally do. He wears number 34. That just screams fullback to me um, in a lot of ways, Um, or at least that's what he was donning in pictures um, during uh, media days. So I'm guessing – fullback might be where they start him out with. And and really, when you look at the depth chart, he could have earlier playing time um, in in different sets. Um, we saw Quan Easterlin get out there early in his career, you know, not in like a robust way, but I do think that Acker has an athleticism. If he comes in at a weight that they feel comfortable with, where they could toss him in there and you can see him getting opportunities a little bit more than some other guys. Yeah, I think somebody – from one of these, whether it be someone from the tight end room or him, has to eventually work into that fullback mold. So I think he's a likely candidate for that. I think it'd make a ton of sense. Um, and, and with as big and as strong and as physical as he is, I think he could certainly thrive in that position. Um, and when you look at the history of Wisconsin fullbacks, I think that's probably a little bit easier of a sell than, than some other schools where you go, oh, man, I'm, getting, I'm not going to touch the ball. I'm not going to be that involved in the offense if I move to fullback. Wisconsin – you're out there quite a bit, and you're a key piece to, to what makes that machine go. So I think that's a, a strong sell, and, and if it's not him, someone will eventually um, work into that fullback mold for sure. All right, we'll talk on some defensive guys now. We'll go back a little bit in terms of which way we're working in Ricardo Hallman. When I talked about Antoine Roberts being a guy that I think was a steal, I think Ricardo Hallman can be in that conversation as well. Um, really talented player uh, out of Miami Gardens, Florida. Of course, that South Florida connection that has worked well for Wisconsin for so long. Um, I, I think he's got a, a lot of strengths to his game. The path to the field probably isn't there this year when you talk about the older guys that are there. Again, you've got that group of middle guys you hoped that developed, and, and we've already kind of talked about it this offseason um, with Hank Poteet. He likes some of these other guys, Dean Ingram, Alexander Smith. So, I don't expect Ricardo Hallman to be out there uh, much this year, but I think prospects for him moving forward are, are certainly strong. Yeah, I, I I love his film. When you throw it on, he is a really good player. Um, good ball skills, good length. So I think that it, a big thing for him is just going to be how does the cornerback room look health-wise and in terms of Hank Poteet, new new coach at that position. We're not sure how he's going to rotate bodies in. We saw Jim Leonard just, you know, just, you know, turnstile those guys and play a lot of different players. If if there's a turnstile method, we saw guys like Samar Melvin play as a freshman. We've seen a lot of players see the field early just to get, get some reps. Maybe he has an opportunity against a team like Eastern Michigan. Otherwise, I, I do think probably – no matter if he plays a little bit this year or not, I don't see him exceeding that four-game threshold to keep his red shirt. No, I totally agree. But I, I do hope, you know, when you talk about some of these guys, if that four-game red shirt, I do hope that Wisconsin gets in some situations where we can see a little bit from them on the field early in their career. All right, Ayo Adabog-Ogun, the edge rusher out of Homestead. Um, I think a really talented player. His frame is is really solid. I think he could develop into something strong still. 
We talk about him still early in terms of playing football uh, for him. I know I don't remember when he picked it up, what year, but I know it was just in high school from what I re- recall. So a guy that could certainly blossom into more. What do you see from him as kind of that defensive ed, outside linebacker edge guy? There's too many edges in front of him at this point. I, I think <laughs> that he's he's going to be a, a red shirt kid. You brought up that uh, he's still learning the position a little bit. So I, I definitely think – oh, sorry about that garbage here. Um, but I think he's definitely going to be a kid that puts together a really good um, career, but but it's not going to be in 2021, I wouldn't think. I wouldn't think so either. That one makes it easy. We'll move up to the next guy, Deacon Hill, quarterback position. Of course, you hope that the quarterback position is strong and, and better this year with Graham Mertz moving into his following year. I certainly expect it will, and you've got some guys behind him, so Maybe for Deacon Hill, just learning the offense and developing. I think he's a very quality player. He's got incredible arm strength. Um, we've had him on the podcast. He was very well-spoken kid. I think he's got a chance to be um, a really strong player, but maybe not much from him this year. What do you make from uh, the prospects of Deacon Hill? Yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's seen the field, that's not great for the Badgers. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that means you've got a couple di- different quarterback injuries in front of him. Um, when you consider the fact that they've got three established guys that um, have been in the program for longer. Uh, so I, I would assume Mertz is QB1, Wolf 2, Vandenboom 3, Hill 4. Um, and uh, I think that's a good thing for Hill. I think that that's really solid. I think he's going to end up being QB1 at some point down the line. But, but I just don't think right now it is it. I think if you took Graham Mertz out of the equation and and this was next year, I think there's a greater chance that Hill is, is in the mix. But but I just don't see um, the Badgers veering from Mertz this year unless something drastic happens or injury woes pop up across the quarterback room. Yeah, I think it would be bad for both sides if Deacon Hill was getting a lot of reps this year. I, I think it would be good for him to develop, and I think it would be good for Wisconsin to – um, have Graham Mertz and, and not have uh, a ton of injuries at that quarterback position. So I, I think for Wisconsin fans, you're, if you're looking at it, it'd be probably best to not see a ton of Deacon Hill for everybody in that position. All right, we'll move up to the linebacker group. We've got three straight linebackers to talk about. The first one, probably a familiar last name to you, and Brian Sanborn, of course, out of Lake Zurich, Illinois. Of course, he's got a brother on the team. Um, really strong player. I think the inside linebacker perspective, uh, again, a lot of guys in front of him with some talent. Brian Sandmore, I would expect to develop into a really strong talent, but I don't know about uh, this 2021 season. So what do you expect from him? Yeah, I think he's probably going to be a redshirt kid. Um, just, you know, breaking news, his brother was just listed to the, the Bednarik watch list um, for one of the best defensive players in the entire country. Um, but I, I do think that, yeah, probably a red shirt when you think about the depth and the experience ahead of him. Wisconsin isn't going to go very deep in that inside linebacker room, so there's no reason to, to burn a red shirt for him this year like his brother did. All right, up next, Daryl Peterson out of Archbishop Hoban out of Akron, Ohio. Again, he's probably more of an edge guy at that linebacker position. A lot of edge guys in front of him, so it's going to be hard to see the field, but uh, an interesting prospect to keep an eye on, I think, for the future with that position having so much talent there. I think he's maybe a guy that flies under the radar a little bit in that, that if he develops as an edge linebacker. But what do you make of, of the prospects for him? Yeah, I, I think it's 
he's likely not going to exceed the the threshold, so he's going to keep his red shirt most likely. But I do think that he's a kid who can play up to four games um, and, and get some experience out there just because I think he's coming in physically ready. Like, I don't mm. think that's a question for him. Um, I think if you see some guys banged up in fall camp, he could easily take advantage of that and, and see the field in some capacity. I doubt it's going to be as one of those top four guys who are rotating in because there, there's you know probably about five guys who are battling for four positions in the rotation. But I do think of that he could be one of those next guys up that gets you know steals a few reps here or there in a few games just because you um, might be hurt a little bit at that position. So I do think that he's a kid that is physically ready that um, in, in a lot of different years he might have had an opportunity to see the field. All right, moving up now. I think these next four guys, we've talked a lot about guys that maybe won't see the field. I think these next four could maybe push for a little bit more time. Um, and we'll start with Jake Rotslap. I know, again, we've talked about a little bit already. This edge position at the linebacker room is, is, is highly contested, and there's a lot of talented players there. But Jake Rotslap, just when you watch the tape on him, he, he's got some freak athleticism that could maybe – I could see a situation where maybe he plays a little bit early in the season, and if, if an injury pops up or anything like that, that all of a sudden he's a guy that works his way in there just because, again, the physical readiness is, is one of the most important pieces because if they're, if they're not there at that point in terms of their bodies being ready, it's hard to see a situation where they're out there. I think in terms of athleticism, Jake Roslev certainly a guy that could work his way out there, but uh, where do you see him panning out for this 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, if you look pound for pound just at sheer athleticism, he might be what the top athlete in the entire group. Um, played a little safety in and and hockey in high school. I think he's a kid who probably um, has a chance to see the field in special teams late in the year as he as he kind of comes on mm-hmm. and gets used to things because he wasn't an early enrollee. But I, I agree with you. I think just his ceiling is is so high that I think he's a kid that could easily push to, to get on the field in some way later in the season as uh, as kind of he develops and continues to, to get used to everything. Um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what he weighs um, coming in because he, he plays baseball. He, you know, he, he's, he's an athlete. He plays a lot of different positions. So I, I think that's going to be something to watch for him is he's listed on like 247 and rivals at like, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 220. Um, Who knows if that's accurate or not right now. And so I think that's going to be a big thing for him is where does he come in weight-wise, and then how does he develop? Because I think he's the type of kid that you look at and you go, yeah, he could be – I could easily see him um, as a guy running down on kickoff coverage late in the season because he's just such a good athlete, um, fast, and, and can hit and get after the quarterback. Yeah, any anybody in that for that matter. I think he's a prospect to certainly keep an eye on. I love the maybe not early in the season, but later in the season, especially if if you're not getting production from somewhere else, that outside linebacker position, he's a guy that you could certainly look at to to maybe make an impact down the stretch. All right, the next guy, Marcus Allen, wide receiver out of Northmont, Clayton, Ohio. Again, uh, talent just jumps off the page with him when you look at what he's got in terms of um, you know athleticism. Uh, he's a really strong ball catcher. I, I think right now there's a lot of, again, we've talked about wide receiver room a little bit. There's a lot of guys in front of him, but the talent is certainly there for Marcus Allen. So what do you think of his prospects for this year? I think it's going to be key, or it's going to be dependent on the health of, you know, those t- top three guys, really. 
uh, really four, I guess you could say. And I'm not going to lump Jack Dunn in there because Jack Dunn plays a completely different position than what uh, he will be doing. Um, but A.J. Abbott, a kid who's similar frame, similar size, that I think um, if A.J. Abbott's hurt or a Danny, if Danny Davis gets hurt, um, I could easily see him bringing something and getting some snaps. I don't know if that's going to mean more than four games, but I do think that you are going to see him on the field in some way, shape, or form this year. Um, and I think he should play in four games and keep his red shirt. But you also look at it where, hey, they're going to lose Danny Davis this year. You're going to lose um, Kendrick Pryor after this year. Um, you're going to lose Jack Dunn. That's three of your top wide receivers are going to be gone. You're going to need to get some of these freshmen some reps. Otherwise, you're looking at A.J. Abbott, Chimre DK, and Devin Chandler as the only three wide receivers that have a lick of experience. And I don't see them going into next year with that being the case. I think that um, there's a chance that um, that Skylar Bell sees the field. I think it's like 80% chance that Marcus Allen – um, plays this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he even goes over the four-game threshold and, and they just burn his red shirt. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he could be a guy that's certainly pushing you know, the over on that four-game mark as you, as you work into the season, especially if somebody gets um, a little bit banged up or isn't producing the way you want him to. All right, the next guy I think is a fascinating I, – I really have no idea, and it's Braylon Allen. I mean, the kid is a freak athlete, insanely strong, I mean, when you look at it in terms of he's a four-star rated kid, I think when you see his development all of a sudden now, it, the four-star might be a little um, deceiving because he really could have been a five-star kid coming out of school. Starting out at the running back position, which is, is again, fascinating in itself when you look at he was going to be a safety, he was going to be a linebacker. So in terms of 2021, his athleticism and, and raw strength is certainly there to play at some position, but where and in how much is going to be an interesting situation to keep an eye on so what do you make of the prospects of Braylon Allen who might be the most fascinating prospect to watch in, in terms of where he ends up and if he gets on the field where's it at yeah I I mean you look at it he's 17 years old right like so most of these kids are going to be rolling in 18 you know going on 19 he is 17 years old um, and won't be 18 for a while here because he reclassified and jumped a grade to play. But he doesn't look like it at all. Um, so I think that in all honesty, if he was if he was in this grade and was a senior entering it, I would say he's going to play. There's no way. There's no way that he's not going to play. Because he's 17, I think that's that throws a little bit of a wrench in it. But at the same time, the Badgers have shown time and time again, if you're ready to play, and you're going to help the team, you're going to be out there. And I think Braylon Allen, you look at that kid and you're like, yeah, he's going to help the team. <laughs> so I have a hard time um, not seeing him on the field in some way this year. Um, I I think he might even go over that four-game mark. I think he's going to end up getting carries this season for the Badgers. There's so many carries to go around. Um, and we talked about it. We've seen the injury issues happen at, at running back. He's so much bigger than any of the other running backs they have on this roster. He brings something very, very unique and different to that room um, in terms of his physicality as a running back. Jalen Berger is a finesse guy who can glide, and he's a good runner. Um, Ches Malusi doesn't have the size he has. Julius Davis runs like like uh, like um, Braylon Allen does, but he doesn't have the size for that. Isaac Rendell is just a burner. So 
when I look at it, I you see that running back room and, and you think, well, they didn't bring in four of these guys to all to redshirt them all and have all mm-hmm. four guys be in the exact same class. I think if you're looking for who's physically ready, it's the 17 year old, to be perfectly honest. And if and if it's not at running back, put him at special teams. He's just ready from a physicality standpoint to be on the field. So I would be surprised if he doesn't at least play four games, and I would not be shocked if he went over that um, and played. Realistically, he could play in every single game. I wouldn't be surprised by that. No, me either. I think the prospects are certainly there for him to, to be on the field and making an impact for sure. When they're, you know, There's a reason they're starting at running back. They either don't feel as comfortable with some of the guys they've already got there, or you know, they, like you said, you're not going to redshirt them all. And I think Braylon Allen's a guy that it's going to be hard to keep that athleticism and, and that ability off the field uh, for a full entire season. So, the next guy, another very highly touted prospect coming out of the state of Wisconsin, out of Muskego, Hunter Roller. Um, safety positions got some strong guys in the two deep, but Hunter Roller is a player that really jumps off the page. So. I would be surprised if he's not worked in there uh, quite a few games. I will, will say that. That four threshold, I think, will certainly be pushed when you look at what he's got. But what do you make of, of Hunter Waller and the chances to see him on the field in 2021? He's going to play at least four games. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's for certain, at least to me. I would be shocked if he didn't play at least four games. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got Scott Nelson, Colin Wilder, John Torchio, Titus Toller, and Travion Blaylock. That, those are the guys in front of them, so five safeties. Wisconsin has shown that they're willing to play three safeties at a time, depending upon the situation. You look at um, the type of player he is, and, and he's more of a free. He, he's going to be more of what Scott Nelson brings to the table than what some of these other guys do. I know Travion Blaylock probably fits in that mold as well. But I think he's too damn good to keep off the field in some way, shape, or form. So I think he will be on the field and playing in at least four games. I honestly think it's in his best interest if they play him in four and redshirt him so that you've got him next year. And I I, I think he'll start next year, to be perfectly honest, um, because Wisconsin, that second-year bump, a lot of times kids are then ready to start. I think he's going to be that type of kid. But um, I, I do think that unless injuries happen, I don't think he's going to be you know one of your top four guys. But if, if you see – Scott Nelson goes down, I think that's when your eyes should open up and look right over at Hunter Waller because I think he's going to be too good to not be out there and, and playing in one of the top three or four spots if, if a guy like Scott Nelson goes down. And I don't want that to happen at all because I love Scott Nelson as a player and I think he brings a lot to the defense. But, but I just, I'm thinking, okay, what's the worst case scenario that could happen that would really elevate that kid? And that's the one that comes to mind because um, I think they bring something similar to the defense. Yeah, I think he's a guy that could certainly hop up in there, um, depending on where he's at. I know with him not being an early enrollee, maybe it's later in the season if something like that does happen. But uh, I think if you're comfortable with him you know, being a guy that they could possibly work in there in the near future uh, this upcoming season. All right, our next three guys are the big boys on the offensive line. You know, four-star Riley Mullman, four-star J.P. Benchwall, and, of course, five-star Nolan Rucci. When you look at Wisconsin offensive linemen, generally not a lot of guys playing, you know, their first year on campus. So I would be surprised to see. So I don't know if we want to lump these three together and kind of have the same conversation, um, but I'd be surprised to see either of any of these guys worked into 
um, you know, a, a big role. Maybe they're getting in some some time here at the end, but generally you don't see that even much from Wisconsin offensive linemen in that first year. So what do you make of the prospects of these obviously very talented, highly rated kids, but in a position where it's a little bit different than some of these other positions to see the field early? Yeah, I, I think you're looking at um, probably, and, and, you know, I've got no inside knowledge on this in terms of making a guess, but I think you're going to see J.P. Benchwell redshirt, um, and I think he's going to be groomed to play probably inside. Riley Malman, 6'8", 290, uh, came, um, came in with a lot of fanfare. I think he's a kid that's going to end up going for tackle. I think he's going to end up redshirting, um, and maybe he plays in a couple mop-up games late. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nolan Rucci is going to be in the two deep the entire damn year. I really? think he's yeah, I think he's that damn good. Like he's so good, uh, and he's so big. You look at it. So in terms of their line right now, I I think that it's going to be a battle between him and Trey Wedig at right tackle to be the backup there, um, and. I think they're going to get Rucci ready to be a starter um, next season, and I think that that's kind of the direction you could see this go. Um, I, I'm i hesitant to say that he's going to for sure be in there, but I do think that Rucci will play. I think he's going to have a similar type year as to what we saw out of Jack Nelson as a kid who was enlisted in the 2D for most of the year. Mm-hmm. They were getting him ready. He played sparingly, but it was on out on the field. I think you're going to see basically a mirror image from Rucci, and that's to get him ready for starting next year. Because I, I do think, like, Logan Brown has a lot of physical traits that make him made him a five-star and that had him ready to, to – and will have him probably poised to be a starter in not this year but the year after most likely. But I think that Hayden Rucci brings – or uh, Nolan Rucci brings something very different in terms of – um, his makeup, his experience, and what he what he has as a prospect. Yeah, I mean, you talk. We've talked about it. Physically ready, I think Nolan Rucci's by far and away one of the most physically ready players in this group. So I, I could definitely get on board with with that. Him being in the two deep, um, maybe working him into some games. A very similar path to Jack Nelson. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, because again, the, the physically talented, incredibly strong, and, and definitely looks like. I mean, they list him at six eight, two ninety five. On two four seven, I would ex- I would expect that he's fought by far exceeded that in terms of weight. So uh, I-, I could see a situation where he's in that two deep, maybe worked into some games, and then next year I would be incredibly highly surprised if he wasn't uh, a starter working in that group. So I can get on board with that and the other two um, redshirting and working their way through the group. All right, now we've got our early enrollees to touch on. So these guys that of course that have been on campus for spring practice, so maybe a little bit ahead of the curve compared to some of the others. We'll start in the secondary with Al Ashford, the third uh, cornerback out of Cherry Creek, Englewood, Colorado. Uh, talented player and, and certainly shown a little bit in the spring ball. What do you make from him? I know we talked about the cornerback room, a lot of guys in front of him, but uh, a player that's certainly uh, been in the group and started to learn a little bit earlier. Yeah, I, I think you heard good things about what he, he mm-hmm. did this spring, and I think that'll definitely help him. Um, once again, wiry kid, 6'1", good, good size. Um, he could, I think that he's a kid that of the two cornerbacks, I think coming in, uh, Ricardo Hallman was maybe the, the better prospect, you know, quote-unquote here. But I think Al Ashford having that time 
early in Madison is going to give him a shot to to see the field in a few games this year. I, I think he'll still maintain his redshirt, but I do think he's going to see the field um, in, in special teams this year and, and kind of get his feet wet, feet wet um, a little bit. Yeah, and I think that'd be beneficial. The same with uh, Ricardo Holman. We look at you know the the other guys there are getting a little bit older. You're, you're going to have you're going to want some of these guys to at least dip their toes in the water this season to start get ready for their future careers. All right, the next player, Jake Cheney, Lehigh senior out of Lehigh Acres, Florida. I think we've talked about a couple guys, some some steals in the class. I think he could certainly be in that conversation as well. Um, incredibly well spoken, incredibly uh, physical kid. Um, prospects in front of him, uh, of course, there's uh, some other strong players, but I think he's going to have a bright future. I'm interested to see what where you think he'll be um, for this 2021 group, though. I think he's going to be a redshirt candidate just simply because of the depth at inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many, only so many reps that can go along around. And if you look at Mascalunas, going to be probably the other guy in the the main guy in the two deep behind your two starters. There's just not many snaps there. So I think, in all honesty, it's probably best for him, but um, probably a red shirt for him. I, I, I could see maybe a game or two that he sees the field um, in, in late-game situations, but nothing more than beyond that, I would think. Yeah, I think he'd be a good guy to, again, get his toes wet, and, and you don't know where the future, uh, of course, with Jack Sanborn at that position you're going to maybe need to get some guys worked in there. But also, we've heard, you know, if if, um, if Sanborn and Chanel are good to go, they're going to be out there 98% of the time. So there's not a lot of, of other reps to go around. And you've already got a guy that you can rely on as your number three in Mascalunas. So I think for Jake Cheney, I'm excited to see where he'll be next year. I think he's a guy that could really come in and turn some heads. Him already being early enrolled has certainly helped. Um, but the, the inside linebacker, there's not a lot of snaps to go around with, with those two being so dominant at the top. All right, our next guy, Mike Jarvis out of Medford, New Jersey, on the defensive line. Uh, interesting prospect as well, big kid, 6'5", 250, probably well exceeded that weight by now. Uh, what do you make uh, of him in that interesting position of defensive line? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think it's going to depend on the two freshmen from last year um, because he, he did come in with uh, with the a little early, have the opportunity to see the field. He do, He's a pretty big kid. But I think that if you have a couple guys in front of him that are a year older and, and you have a transfer coming in, um, I think it's just going to be tough. Um, if, if a guy like Cade McDonald or a kid like James Thompson – it isn't able to help mm-hmm. out in terms of added some depth. I think then Jarvis can step up, but otherwise I think he's probably going to be a redshirt kid um, this season. And there's nothing wrong with that when you consider um, the fact that they're going to lose a couple guys this next year again. Yeah, I think that would be beneficial for him. You know, some of these guys are, are the prospect of them being out there early is not such a bad thing. Some of these guys, it might not hurt to uh, take on that development. Like I said, nothing wrong with it in that regard. All right, our next player, Jack Pugh out of Hilliard, Ohio, at the tight end position. Um, very talented kid, and uh, I think another guy that could maybe move around depending on his development. But what do you make of, of his prospects for this upcoming year? Yeah, so this year, I think tight end-wise, there's a lot of guys in front of him, probably a redshirt year. Um, and I think that that's similar to Jarvis. That's probably his best for his development. Mm-hmm. When you just look at – Tight end and offensive line are so 
you have to be so technically sound um, to play those positions. There's so much to learn um, that I just think, even though Pew is a really good kid, I think that um, a redshirt year is probably in his future in this season. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think that's probably best for him as he moves forward. All right, our last guy in terms of early enrollee is TJ Bowlers, and we've talked about guys that can play early. I think he's a candidate for that as well as that edge position. Um, I think early enrolling certainly helps him. Maybe when you talk, same with you know a guy like Jake Jaroslav, I think TJ Bowler is going to be a guy in that conversation where if you're not getting what you need from somebody else, then maybe he works his way in. But what do you think uh, of TJ Bowlers as possibly seeing some field time this year? Yeah, I think his size um, and the fact that he was getting some run this um, spring gives him a, a decent chance to, to possibly see the field. Um, He's, he's just kind of that hybrid kid that they, they don't have a lot of right now. And um, Aaron Witt uh, is, is probably the closest comp to him on the roster, and Witt's on the field as a freshman. Now, that was with COVID going on and everything, but Witt was banged up in the spring. We'll see if he's, he's good to go for the fall. But I think that uh, if you're looking at it, he's one of those – tweener kids that could easily see the field. I like T.J. Bowler's what he can do, um, and I, I think that just his ability to possibly play outside linebacker or defensive end could make it so that he's a kid who plays later in the season um, in spot, spotty do, duty from here to time, from time to time. Jeez. <laughs> nope, I agree with you. I think he's a, he's a guy that's certainly in a very strong position. So you look at this freshman class, of course, a lot of development that is still going to take place for a bulk of these players. I think when you go through, you could probably see, you know, with with Bowlers and Rinrucci, Woller, Allen, um, and uh, both Allens, Marcus and um, Braylon, Jake Rosloff. I think you could see, you know, a handful of these guys getting um, really meaningful time and meaningful snaps, and then the rest of them. You know, maybe getting worked in, maybe under that four-game cusp, which is always good for them. I love that new rule to allow some of these players to get their feet wet without burning a year. So I, I think in terms of a class, it's really strong, and you'll see a little bit of them, but maybe not a bulk of them um, making a ton of impact. But that's also probably a good thing. You don't want some of these guys being on the field earlier than they have to be. Yeah, 100%. I think because of COVID last year, you saw a lot more freshmen see the field. And it it wasn't by choice. It was out of the fact that they had to be out there and probably before they they were ready. Um, But I do think that this year we won't see quite as many guys, but there will still be players, and there's a lot of talent. This this group is the highest-rated group that Wisconsin has brought in in a a long time, and and there's a reason why. So I, I expect that there's going to be a handful of kids who are going to see the field um, and um, going to flash early. And But then there's going to be a bunch who are going to redshirt because you have so many guys returning from a, from the team last year because of COVID. So I think it's it's going to be a weird balance, but I do think that there's going to be a handful of these guys that, sh- that fans should be excited to see and be ready to see from the jump. Most definitely. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin.